As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Approaching someone is to have a very detailed and informed plan. And again, sufficient information and due diligence will be necessary so that you can explain your plan to whomever you're trying to raise money from. Best ever listeners, I'm proud to announce many masterminds as a component of this year's best ever conference. This year's best ever conference is virtual. So we've added something that we've never done before. And I'm confident you're going to get a lot of value from it. When you join the best ever conference, you will be thoughtfully placed into a mini mastermind group. And to give you an idea of what these mini masterminds are, it's going to be about six to eight people, fellow best ever attendees. And if you've attended the best ever conference, you know that the quality of attendees is very high. And we have experienced investors who are also good people. I'm sure there's some bad people out there, but I've never come across them at the conference. They're people who want to help and people who want to network and people who are successful already in commercial real estate. So you'll want to be a part of these mini masterminds. And in these mini masterminds, we're going to thoughtfully place you in a group with other attendees. And you're going to have different meetings virtually with them. And we're going to help facilitate those meetings. So they're going to be all around a topic and each of the masterminds will have a different topic. For example, one mastermind, you'll talk about what resources, relationships, investments, etc. have made the biggest difference in your life and what do you think you're missing for that next big life change or that next big milestone in business. So we're going to prompt your mini mastermind group with a topic and then you all will discuss and we'll do that for seven mini mastermind sessions. So you're going to get to know other attendees really well. And you're going to get the maximum amount of networking opportunities to go deep with people. Because ultimately what I found out is the more people I know is beneficial. But what really moves the needle on business is going deep with a select number of people and really establishing substantive relationships with them. So go to BEC2021.com 
sign up for the best ever conference, get thoughtfully placed in the mini mastermind group as a result of that. Mini masterminds are going to start November 1st. And when you sign up now, you're going to lock in the best price because prices go up each week. And on top of this, I'm going to give you a code so that you can get 10% off. And that is my BEC 10. So when you sign up at BEC2021.com, put in the code my MY BEC 10, the number 10, and you'll get an additional 10% off. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I am Theo Hicks. And today we are speaking with Kevin Reardon. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm well, Theo. Nice to chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to our conversation and and pricking your brain. So Kevin is a full-time professor at Montclair State University teaching real estate courses He has been investing in real estate for over 30 years. His career has been focused on the institutional side, providing debt and equity capital, public and private for commercial real estate. He also took Crexus Investment Corp., a commercial mortgage REIT public in 2009. He is based in Montclair, New Jersey, and you can say hi to him at his email. He provided with his email address. It's Reardon, R-I-O-R-D-A-N. And then K at mail.montclair.edu. And of course, the link to his email will be in the show notes. So you can just click on that if you want to reach out to Kevin. So Kevin, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on today? Sure, I'm happy to. So my background, real quick on the education side, I was an accountant coming out of college, got a CPA, and I was going down that route. I made a move into real estate on the accounting side, initially on the private side. But I had a little bit of taste of actually making some transactions occur at that company, and I wanted to do that full-time rather than being in the accounting group. So I'd say my big career move I made when I was 30 years old was making a move to TIA-CREF, which is a private pension fund for colleges, universities, nonprofits. And at that company, I joined as an assistant investment analyst, basically making real estate transactions, commercial mortgages, joint ventures. And I stayed there for 20 years, rose there to group managing director. I started a number of initiatives. I was kind of combining. I was fortunate to be in a spot where public real estate capital was now coming into the commercial real estate space in the form of REITs and CMBS. And I was there to structure and create a number of initiatives around that. I left the company and then took a company public, as Theo has mentioned, called Crexus Investment Corp in 2009. I actually got to ring the bell on the stock exchange. It's really not a bell. It's actually a big button you press. But with that company, we were, uh, again, providing finance capital to real estate owners and borrowers, again, also assisting on some joint ventures. Perfect. So I'm just trying to kind of wrap my head around it. So when you say that you're providing equity, so are you providing this money to massive companies who are then using it to buy massive portfolios of real estate? Or are these two smaller people who buy multifamily? I'm trying to understand this money that you're giving out. Where is it going to? 
that's a good question, Theo. So when I talk about working on the institutional side and providing capital for equity, one of two ways we're doing that. One way we were doing it is we were simply becoming a joint venture partner with an operator. So we are the money, and then we try to find someone who is the operator developer. So entered into a number of joint ventures with operator developers, having people on the ground, using our money. And the way you would structure deals like that is you would be a partnership. And because you were putting the money in, you would get a preferred return until some hurdle rates happen. And the developer then, once a hurdle rate was hit, then there is what they call the developer gets a promote, which is something beyond his equity contribution. I actually teach this in some of my courses. I teach how these are set up in the partnerships and how money flows. Mm -hmm. So that's one aspect to it. The other side, when I say providing capital to owners, is assisting them to buy properties. And that would probably be more, Theo, through a debt instrument, some type of mortgage instrument or participating mortgage instrument where he's going to acquire and or develop a property. And you are going to get, again, some stable coupon as a return, and then perhaps share in the upside of the property through some kind of participation mechanism in the mortgage debt. Perfect. So let's talk about the first example you gave about you becoming a JV and basically being the money and then the person you partner with is doing the boost in the ground stuff. So, and again, just ballpark numbers here. What would be an average deal size you're talking about here? Are we talking about like a million dollar deals? Are we talking about a hundred million dollar deals? A lot of those transactions were done more at my stay at TIA. Those transactions ranged from 12 to $30 million. And that would be the entire investment. And really we would put up 95% of the money, if not sometimes 100% of the money. And then structure would be, again, there would be a construction loan, build the project. And then once our money came in, we're taking out the construction loan. In other words, paying that off. We then become the owner as a partner with the developer And then we then have a preferred return. So the first money that comes to us in terms of the cash flow from the property is up to our preferred return. So just using some simple numbers, if it was a million dollars and you had a 6% return, that would be $60,000. So the first $60,000 would come to you if it was a million dollar investment. And then anything above that, you start sharing with the developer. That's basically the way those things work. Okay. So the reason why I was asking all those questions is because I'm just curious if you could kind of walk us through. And again, I might still be misunderstanding, but let's say I'm an investor, I'm an apartment developer, or I do apartment value add type deals. I've been raising money from family and friends. Maybe I've expanded out to, now I wouldn't say strangers, but I've expanded out to people I don't know as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I've reached a point where I've tapped all that out and I want to raise money from an institution. Right. So first of all, let me know if I'm right and that person's actually ready to raise money from institution. And then assuming that I am, what steps do I need to take in order to maximize my chances of getting an institution to give me money for deals? The way you're setting it up is exactly the way I've seen it happen. So we're starting with the friends and family and we move from there. Theo, what I would just say is the most important things would be first, establishing a successful track record with the things you've done and approaching people. That's going to be the number one question. What have you done? How has it performed? So the first thing is to have that successful track record. The second thing then is approaching someone is to have a very detailed and informed plan. And again, 
sufficient information and due diligence will be necessary so that you can explain your plan to whomever you're trying to raise money from. If I could use a slight example, when I took Crexus Investment Corp public and we went out to raise equity, we went to visit a number of institutions. I had never taken a company public before. I had worked for a private pension fund. And now I was on the other side where I'm going to raise money from investors and I'm visiting pension plans. I'm visiting Fidelity. I'm visiting BlackRock. I'm visiting all these big money managers. So what did they want to see from me? They wanted to see two things. One, what had I done before? Did I know what I was talking about? And number two, what was my plan? So to your listeners, I don't think there's any difference between what I'm saying as far as what's required from myself when I took the company public versus someone who has been building and owning, let's just say, small multifamily projects and keeps rolling them up into bigger multifamily projects to the point, and it's also important to know, it has to have a certain critical mass to it. Institutional money is not going to look at $500,000 transactions. They're going to look at something that has a little bit of substance to it. So there's probably some kind of minimum size transaction that'll get their attention. And then the other things, if you will, make it happen. Perfect. Getting back, so when you said that 12 to 30 million for those deals, is that just the down payment? And then they're in turn getting debt or are you covering the entire total project costs? Those are the entire project costs. Okay. And the reason they would differ would be depending on where you were building. So for example, one joint venture I did was out in um, Doylestown, Pennsylvania, which is a really cool little town. But that was a typical garden style apartment, 210 units. And that probably all in investment was somewhere around 12, 14, 15 million dollars. I don't recall. It was a while back. Versus another project we worked on in downtown Atlanta, which had some construction issues around it. Obviously, a building in an urban setting, it gets more expensive. That project was closer to 28, 29 million, if I recall. Mm-hmm. So, when you talk about having a very detailed and informed plan, are you saying for the specific deal you're wanting to raise equity from the institution? Or are you saying just overall business plan for what you would do were you to find a deal? Like, am I going to an institution after I already have a deal under contract? Or am I going to an institution to see if they would be willing to give me funds and then go out and find deals? The latter is what I'm referring to. That's where you're taking your track record with what you've done, how you've done it, how it's performed, how you came about getting those transactions, how you made them work. And now you just want to put that exponent to them, if you will, right? You want to make those bigger transactions. You want to get larger money. So therefore, what you want to do is have some larger plan ahead of you. So it can work that way, Theo. You could go on a contract contingent on getting the financing, but it might be better to have Mm -hmm. a situation where people will believe in you. And then with that, they'll sort of say, okay, this is what we want to do. And with those parameters, you can take that and go out and try to see if you can fit it into their mousetrap, if you will, because they're going to have line items to check off. There's going to be a return profile. There's going to be a geography profile. There's going to be an asset type profile. They're going to have a number of things they want to check off. And then what's important from your side is not just the transaction itself. Yes, that's important. The what's going to happen to it, its performance, those are all very important. But the other side that's very important too is they're going to want to see what is the ownership structure, 
In other words, what's the guts of the company going to do to make this thing work? Again, the money is not on the ground. The money is giving the investment to this person to run it. So how do they run it? How's their accounting systems? How do they report? What's the depth of the organization? How do they respond to difficulties? How have they responded to difficulties in the past? All of those things will come into bear. So it's not only a question of looking idiosyncratically at the particular transaction, but it's also looking at holistically, what does the organization bring to bear to make these transactions work? Perfect. They're looking at deal and they're also looking at who you are and who works for your company and what you're capable of doing. Right, because the question is really, how do I initially get this going? So initially getting it going, it's the two things. But once you get that breakthrough, then it becomes transaction. You know what I mean? Then you're just looking at transactions. But initially, it's got to be two things. Breadth of organization, as well as investment thesis. Okay, so how do I actually find an institution? Do I go on Google and start reaching other people on Google? Do I go on LinkedIn? Do I just show up at their headquarters? What specifically am I wanting to do? Assuming I have all this set up, I've got my track record, I've got my super detailed plan, I've got my business all set up, I'm ready to go. How do I actually find these institutions? Great question. I will tell you that my experience would be that that particular individual, the let's call him the entrepreneur, he would have more success if he was successful finding an intermediary to make the introduction. And there are a number of types of folks, consultants, mortgage brokers who actually canvas, not just on the debt side, but also the equity side. And those type of people have the calling card, if you will. So the presentation initially is going to be, I think this is an easier way, because if you think about it, the pure money side there would be just too much sourcing coming through the funnel that it would be difficult to parse that. So a lot of institutions will use outside intermediaries to help them, if you will, source transactions and source organizations. Perfect. Okay, Kevin, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I take my best advice as something I didn't do. So here's what my idea would be. In 2011, I had an opportunity to buy about $2 billion of mortgage debt that Barclays Bank was trying to securitize, but they couldn't because of the financial collapse, if you will. And I only bought $750 million of it. And my advice was, looking back, I wish I had tried to buy all the $2 billion. And my advice would be, try to be bold. And we had the capability of doing more we erred on the side of conservatism. And I think we didn't look far enough in advance to see how the winds were going to trade and how real estate was going to perform. So I guess my advice would be to be bolder in your assumptions. I'm cautious too, Theo. I'm sort of talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but be bold with what you want to try to do, but understand the risks. Perfect. Okay, Kevin, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? We'll give it a shot. All right. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Here's the problem with virtual events. You don't get to connect with others in the way that you would for in-person events. So with this year's Best Ever Conference, it is virtual and we're fixing that problem. We are introducing many masterminds where you're going to get to know six to eight real estate investors who are accomplished and who will help you and you will help them 
grow each other's business. Go to BEC2021.com, sign up for the Best Ever Conference, and enter the code MYBEC10, and you'll get a 10% off on top of the lowest price, which is today, because the prices go up each week. BEC2021.com. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. Okay, Kevin, what is the best ever book you've recently read? Grant by Ron Chernow, and I'll tell you why. I'm a big Chernow fan, but I read that book a year ago, and what I had no idea was at the conclusion of the Civil War, yes, the Confederacy had stopped the war with the Union, but now they had created a civil war with the freed slaves. And I think that's very prescient as to what's happening today in June 2020. And this Ron Chernow, you said? Ron Chernow. He is the author of Hamilton. Okay. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? I guess I would try to figure out why it collapsed and adjust to what happened that made that happen and figure out what do I do to avoid that problem again? What is the best ever way you like to give back? You know, I'm a full-time teacher now, full-time professor at Moncler State University. All my people who are either in the business or out of the business, I tell them what they do. 100% say, that's great. I'd love to do that too. So I know I'm doing the right thing. And I do teach them exactly what to do in real estate, particularly on the finance side. I help the students with their resumes. I'll give them some interview tips. I hear a job, I'll try to get them there. I think that's kind of what I like to do. Is Montclair State University, like these courses you're teaching, is this undergrad? The undergrad. I am technically housed in the finance and accounting department. Okay, perfect. And then last question is, what's the best ever place to reach you? My email at Montclair State University is best. Perfect. And best of listeners, as a reminder, that email is in the show notes. And I'll just spell it one more time. It's R-I-O-R-D-A-N-K at mail.montclair, M-O-N-T-C-L-A-I-R dot E-D-U. All right, Kevin, I really enjoyed this conversation. I always enjoy talking about things that I don't really know anything about at all. And I really don't know much about how working with institutions works. It's definitely been an enlightening conversation for me, and I'm sure it has been for Best ever listeners as well, kind of the crux of our conversation was around how to get your start in raising money from institutions. So I kind of talked about the two important prerequisites, one being establishing a successful track record and two, having a very detailed and informed plan, specifically in the beginning about your business and your company. And obviously after that, once you've got your foot in the door, it's more transactional, having a very detailed and informed business plan about the deal you're working on. Then you kind of mentioned the two things that institutions look at. One of them is the return, geography, asset class, profile checklist, things like that. But they also want to know what the ownership structure is going to be, how you plan on running the property, what's the depth of the organization, high response difficulties in the path, things like that. And then we also talked about how to actually find these institutions. And it is 
essentially through these intermediaries, these brokers. So you've got different consultants. I bet you talk to mortgage brokers who do equity and debt. So when you're having conversations with these mortgage brokers, ask them if they also do equity and work with institutions. And that's a great way to get your foot in the door is through these intermediaries. And then you gave your best ever advice, which is to try to be bold. Obviously, it's important to be conservative, but you kind of gave an example of the time you had the opportunity to buy $2 billion in mortgage debt and only bought $750 million. You had the ability to buy all of it, but you decided to remain conservative. And then it sounds like you kind of regret that. And if it would have been bold, you probably would have made a lot more money on that transaction. So Kevin, really enjoyed this conversation. Best of your listeners. I hope you did as well. Make sure you take advantage of him providing us with his email address. He's definitely very knowledgeable. He's been doing this for a long time and he teaches people how to do it and they pay him. So definitely take advantage of that. As always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Theo. Pleasure to spend time with you.